Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's CW, and this week on the Top Docs Radio Show, I hosted radiation oncologist Dr. Chad Levitt of Radiotherapy Associates of Forsyth, located in Cumming, Georgia, on the Northside Forsyth Hospital campus. We've talked about cancer on a number of occasions over the last year, hosting some of Atlanta's finest oncology experts discussing those topics, and I'm really pleased to introduce you to this physician this week. In addition to being widely recognized as a radiation oncologist with high success rates and limited complications for his patients, he's also a doctor who really really takes seriously the emotional and spiritual needs of his patients and their families. He takes a lot of time explaining the cancer that they're dealing with, the variety of choices that they may have as it relates to the treatment options to treat that particular cancer. And he really goes to great lengths to make himself available to them. If they have questions or concerns, they can email him. They can call him on his cell phone. How often do you get to do that? Coming up, Chad talks about how he chose radiation oncology as his field of study and how he hopes that he can help his patients through this what is for most people one of the worst experiences in their life and possibly turning that into a positive in the end. I'm an Atlanta native, four generations uh, inside the perimeter and been up on the north side for many years as well. I come from a liberal arts background. I always had uh, interest in science, but I have a master's in philosophy and minor in creative writing. And at the end of college, after traveling a teeny bit, I decided med school was something that I really wanted to go and pursue. And I actually went to medical school to be a reconstruction constructive surgeon and craniofacial reconstruction. When I was doing some of those procedures, I encountered some of the older people and towards the end of their career of doing what I wanted to do, who said, you know, if I could go do it all over again, I'd be a radiation oncologist. And at that time, I didn't really know that that was even a specialty. So after actually a second similar event where another surgeon said, I'd be a radiation oncologist, I went and found out that it was actually a specialty and studied it. And after just a month, I decided that was a perfect fit for me. It was I wasn't confined to any one body site. I really, really appreciated the time in people's lives that I was able to meet them and put to use a lot of my philosophical studies and ideas and it just seemed to serve them and and at least my interests very well in that meeting people at that time in their lives and discussing probably the most significant event that's occurred for them was very fulfilling to me because I knew I had so much I could offer them and I was a very good audience and guide for them different than some of the people or some of the doctors or experiences that they had where it was all science and right, it was difficult right. to develop the skills of communication and the overall life philosophy and ideas and beliefs that people have a need and encounter when they're diagnosed with with cancer. I hope that people can look back and say, you know what? At the time, that was one of the worst things I ever had to go through. But now it makes sense for one reason or another. They, They either have a friend who they are able to remind to get their mammogram or they are they have they encounter someone who's going through what they had gone through and they're able to empathize and ease that patient's anxiety and suffering and at some point it clicks that 
maybe there was a grander plan or maybe that this happened for a reason so that something else can happen that we're not necessarily supposed to understand, but some meaning and fulfillment can be gleaned from that. And you can't do that if you're suffering or if, uh, terribly or if, you know, we weren't as successful as uh, we would strive to be. That's kind of what my mission is uh, in the process that patients go through as they meet me. Stick around. we got the full interview with Dr. Chad Levitt coming up next. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's CW. Thanks so much for making us a part of your day today. I'm sitting down with Dr. Chad Levitt of Radiotherapy Associates of Forsyth. He's a radiation oncologist that serves a number of locations around the North Metro area. I've known him for a few years now, and he's somebody that I would certainly go see either for myself or, or loved ones of mine if they were dealing with a cancer issue that required radiation. So, Chad, thanks so much for coming by the studio today to share a little bit of information today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. For the listener who is not familiar with you, just walk us through your story a little bit. How did you get into medicine and, and ultimately what took you into oncology as your focus? I'm an Atlanta native, four generations uh, inside the perimeter and been up on the north side for many years as well. I come from a liberal arts background. I always had an uh, interest in science, but I have a master's in philosophy and minor in creative writing. And at the end of college, after traveling a teeny bit, I decided that med school was something that I really wanted to go and pursue. And I actually went to medical school to be a reconstructive surgeon and craniofacial reconstruction. When I was doing some of those procedures, I encountered some of the older people and towards the end of their career of doing what I wanted to do, who said, you know, if I could go do it all over again, I'd be a radiation oncologist. (laughs) And at that time, I didn't really know that that was even a specialty. So after actually a second similar event where another surgeon said, I'd be a radiation oncologist, I went and found out that it was actually a specialty and studied it. And after just a month, I decided that was a perfect fit for me. It was I wasn't confined to any one body site. I really, really appreciated the time in people's lives that I was able to meet them and put to use a lot of my philosophical studies and ideas. And it just seemed to serve them and, and at least my interests very well in that meeting people at that time in their lives and discussing probably the most significant event that's occurred for them was very fulfilling to me because I knew I had so much I could offer them and I was a very good audience and guide for them different than some of the people or some of the doctors or experiences that they had where it was all science and it was difficult to develop the skills of communication and the overall life philosophy and ideas and beliefs that people have a need and encounter when they're diagnosed with with cancer. So when we think about radiation treatment uh, as a modality to deal with cancer, I mean, what exactly are we doing when we're when we're going for radiation therapy? I, I would imagine that a lot of people are like, I, I don't feel anything, I don't hear anything. So what exactly are we doing? That's a similar thing with most cancer diagnoses. Cancer is extra concerning to most people and scary because it does not often have pain or symptoms associated with it if you caught it early enough. And radiation is similar. Radiation is also very scary sounding if you just hear it because of the things that we see in the media and we know about it. But when it comes to healthcare, it's basically talking about the use of invisible x-rays or small particles of radiation that can be focused or directed only to 
an area of concern, either a tumor or an area that's at risk for harboring tumor cells. And so when patients come to me, just like when they're often diagnosed with cancer originally, they have a tremendous amount of anxiety. There's a lot of questions about the unknown and there's normal sense of a complete loss of control. You, you know, the lack of information, the lack of understanding, the lack of, uh, of having a plan leads to a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress, which doesn't necessarily help them in their healing process or their treatment plan. And so when a patient actually comes to me, a lot of what we do is discussing and educating with them what it is that they're actually dealing with, what it is that we actually do, and why it makes sense for them to be in our office discussing about it. And if it is appropriate, then we educate them on, all right, here are the next steps and what we have to do to deliver modern, high-quality treatment, which actually translates to very few side effects and much higher success rates in the form of curing or controlling disease than we've ever had in the past. And from what I understand when it comes to radiation therapy, at least in some instances, depending on the type of disease we're talking about regarding their cancer, there may be some choices that a patient can make where they can actually have some input. You can talk about, well, this this particular approach does this, this particular approach does that. And, and so the person as a patient or a loved one can actually have some measure of input in what we're going to do. Is that true? Actually, every patient I see is unique and individualized opportunity for me to revisit the disease topic, make sure that I'm being the best advocate I possibly can be for that patient by knowing the most modern science, evidence, and successes that people are seeing across the country and world. There is no cookie-cutter cancer patient. Every patient's a custom patient in trick care plan, and often these patients are coming to us with multiple other physicians and specialists involved. So we have to put together a comprehensive team and integrate all those services, not only in so that they fit together well, meaning the least problems for the patient or side effects and the best outcomes by whatever we define them, but we also have to make sure that they're sequenced in the right way. You don't necessarily want to do surgery before radiation or before chemotherapy in certain diseases and likewise. So knowing that there's no cookie cutter cancer patient and there's no really no cookie cutter treatment, there are standards and there are trends that we work within. But what I talk about with most of my patients when they come in is what's best for them is often based upon how they're wired. And I'll get somebody in who says, look, I hate the cancer word. I don't want it. I want to throw the kitchen sink at myself. And I don't care if you hurt me or if I suffer because I just want to make sure there is absolutely no cancer regardless of anything. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's someone who says, look, I feel pretty good. And I know that we all have an end to our lives, be it because of cancer or something else. And you're not going to touch me or I don't want anyone to touch me unless you can show me that it's absolutely necessary and why. And I understand it. So those are the two ends of the spectrum. But patients fall all between those sure. two. And so, so much of what's important to a cancer patient in any situation is getting to know their physician and trusting and feeling that they can trust that their physician is equally as interested in getting to know them and their interests and how they're wired so that they can come up together with the best plan and the best definition of what success is for that plan because not all cancers are curable and not all cancers even need treatment. And so there are always multiple options. And if you get down to the more specific elements of what we do, we might be able to treat somebody with a very high dose of radiation in one or two treatments that might have a higher risk of some side effects, but they just want it for logistics or for some other reason. They have to rush to surgery or they have to go out of town that they want to do it in a shorter course. 
And as long as there's no compromise in the control rate or the cure rate or in the definition of achieving success as we've agreed upon, then some of them might want to go at a longer or a more protracted course of treatment that might be gentler and less likely to have long or short-term side effects without compromising a cure rate. And I know from talking to you over time that that patient physician interaction is a real key component to the way you approach what you're doing with your cancer patients. Talk about that a little bit. You know, a cancer patient is in shock. We know that it's basically like they suffer a form of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, just like the soldiers in Afghanistan do when they're being shot at and then they come home. It is equally as traumatic just hearing the cancer word related to you, especially if you feel fine. And so that stress and that anxiety can cause people to want to make very abrupt decisions without necessarily being fully informed. And I feel, at least with my philosophical background and my humanistic approach, that through communication with the patient, asking them questions about them and about their interests, making sure that they understand what it is that they're actually dealing with, because oftentimes as they get sort of rushed through systems of healthcare, they... They get tests done, they get results, but they, but it's it's less frequent than maybe it could be that they've had enough time spent with them to explain what each of those things mean in layman's terms, mm-hmm. because not everybody gets to go to medical school just to learn right. about their health care. <laughs> right. And so I find that in my setting, which often is not urgent or emergent, um, we have some time to work with, we can do a lot of work so that they understand the pros and cons of what it is that is being put in place for them and their treatment plan amongst the the multi-specialty team and really build a form of communication that they can, and I too, can trust in because I can't take as good of care of my patients if I'm worried that maybe there's certain things that they're not going to feel comfortable sharing with me or they're going to do without wanting to tell me. So I find when we open up the conversation beyond just what people's classic perceptions or traditional perceptions are of what your Western doctor should be, because there is evidence that's being studied out at MD Anderson and Mayo Clinic and Stanford and Harvard or Mass General um, and Columbia with lots of evidence for things that might not seem traditional to Western medicine, but there are ways to integrate those things for even better outcomes for the patient. Outcomes being both less side effects, less discomfort, less long-term problems, as well as control and cure rate. So through that process, through the sitting down with my patient's as the physician and making sure that I'm being an active listener, just like I hope and want my patients to be to me. I don't want anyone to be a passive observer as a patient. Mm -hmm. To me, this is their plan, their team, their health, and I'm the supporting cast. I know that most people don't know how to deliver radiation or what kind of radiation to give or how to give it. So my job is really to explain to them all of those elements and make sure that they are comfortable trusting me to do that. And they should feel that same way about every member of their cancer team. If they have a concern, they should feel very comfortable and trusting that they have access to me and that they trust that the discussion or answers I give them will be uh, competent and to the best of my efforts. This is a little different than historical. I'm comfortable if a patient asks me a question that I don't know the answer to, to saying, look, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I, but I can tell that patient, I'm going to do my darndest to get that answer for you. Sure. As opposed to giving an answer just 
to so be you don't that look like you don't know right <laughs> just so you can be that doctor that's right. that knows everything that's yes. that's cancer actually is one of in my specialty too was very attractive to me but because we don't have all the answers and because you have to be not only very astute at figuring out what the modern best options and treatments are based upon the best studies and things but you also have to be very creative to interact with individual humans and what fits for them because a patient that comes in that lives by themselves that uh, is completely on their own and can't miss many days of work or something but and has no support system and may or may not have a strong faith or spiritual community that patient's needs and ability to tolerate some of these treatments is very very different than someone who comes in with a strong support system and family and friends and community um, and in uh, beliefs um, that help structure what it is and how it is that they want to live their lives, both before, during, and after their treatment. I've been talking with radiation oncologist Chad Levitt of Radiotherapy Associates of Forsyth, learning a little bit about his background and uh, more specifically what, what we're doing when we're treating people with radiation and getting into Chad's philosophy of how important it is for folks who are dealing with cancer as a patient or a loved one to really begin to get their questions answered. Don't hesitate to ask questions and to really raise a red flag in your mind if you're not being able to get that kind of information because uh, you need to have, if you've got some concerns about what's going on or you don't feel comfortable that you understand, as you mentioned, some of that stress that can come with, with that feeling of loss of control and loss of understanding what's happening to you can actually affect your responses to your treatment. So what advice would you give to a patient or a loved one out there to when maybe someone just learned they got cancer? How would you advise they go about the process of trying to identify where should, where should I go? I would explain to them after they figure out what it is that they are dealing with and they've talked it over with their primary doctor and maybe the initial specialist that they've seen to really believe that they can be their best advocate. And an advocate not only to make sure they're getting a high quality, best treatment, but so that they can find the team and the relationship with the physician that fills all of those needs or assists them in achieving that. And so unless it's a dire emergency, there is the ability to meet with different physicians within the same specialty or uh, at different facilities to see what's the best fit. Because... It's just as important that you're comfortable with the team as it is that you feel like you're getting the best treatments. Second opinions are not a bad thing at all. But what I would say is do your best to educate yourself and realize that before you make irrevocable decisions or decisions which you can't take back to your body, that you understand the pros and cons and they fit well with how you're wired and how and what your definition of success with this is. A cure rate is great, but if the quality of life is horrible as a result, then there's certain people and lots of people who would say, well, maybe that wasn't quite what I was setting out to achieve. What we want and what I achieve and what I really um, was attracted to in radiation oncology is the, is the ability to really often provide very few, if any, side effects because our treatments in, mo in modern radiation are so precise and, and accurate without compromising and actually with increasing the long-term cure rates and success rates of making it so patients can live cancer-free. And then we can start to talk about the more interesting or some of the more interesting things that maybe we should we could do at a different session about before and after a cancer diagnosis. I, mean, I, I hope for my patients that for whatever reason, because many times 
we don't know what caused that cancer. Yes, smoking can cause certain lung cancers. Um, there are certain genetics that can cause certain syndromes. But the vast majority of cancers, we do not understand what the initial cause was. And so there is a there is a yearning, and I, I hope for my patients, the ability to achieve drawing together some sort of meaning for why they went through this after they're done and, and better off because of their treatments. So there's no way to have a cancer diagnosis. So there, there's very few ways to have a cancer diagnosis and not have it affect your life in a dramatic way. Your life usually gets divided up as you look back into before and after that diagnosis. And I hope for my patients that they're able to find meaning and have a more enriched and fulfilling lives for whatever reason, by whatever means, as a result of having to go through this. Not that I want anyone to get this, but with the high likelihood of people getting a cancer the longer that we live and the increased prevalence of it. The reality is that one in three people in the U.S. is going to have some sort of cancer. Now, many of those will be skin cancers and things that aren't as important, but a lot of people are going to have real serious ones that they're going to have to navigate through. And that sense of not knowing why and losing control and being faced with the frailty of our, of our mortality, of our, of our human condition, can be very distressing, and stress can lead to all sorts of other mm-hmm. health issues. I hope that people can look back and say, you know what, at the time, that was one of the worst things I ever had to go through, but now it makes sense for one reason or another. It, it, they, they either have a friend who they are able to remind to get their mammogram, or they, are, they, have, they encounter someone who's going through what they had gone through, and they're able to empathize and ease that patient's anxiety and suffering. And at some point, it clicks that maybe there was a grander plan, or maybe that this happened for a reason so that something else could happen that we're not necessarily supposed to understand. But some meaning and fulfillment can be gleaned from that. And you can't do that if you're suffering or if, uh, terribly, or if, you know, we weren't as successful as uh, we would strive to be. That's kind of what my mission is uh, in the process that patients go through as they meet me. Radiation oncologist Chad Levitt's been sitting with us in the studio, and I know you got to get back to your practice. Any final thoughts before we have to let you go out today? We're going to have to have come back and talk more about yeah. some of the things you're doing. No, I really appreciate this. I think patients should understand that education and information often will help them deal with the initial anxieties and worry and concerns that they're facing when, they're, when they first are diagnosed with a cancer. Rushing and being hasty in decisions can sometimes not end up in the best successes. Once you're through that initial anxiety period, which hopefully you find a doctor and team that are able to communicate and educate you in a, in a comprehensive way that you can work with as your team, on your behalf and that you're really the captain of the ship and we're all the supporting crew, but you don't know how to sail the ship and we're the ones that can help you sail it, but you tell us where you want to go. Can you recommend any, what you would consider reliable sources of information for people to be able to go to maybe online or or elsewhere where it's more or less objective, it's not really trying to steer you in one way or another? Sure. And that's a interesting point. There are some good places online that will give you very general information. American Cancer Society, MD Anderson's website, Columbia, Johns Hopkins, and lots of universities have websites with general types of information. But ultimately, your your doctor should be able to provide you a lot. Every one of my patients has my direct email address. I often send patients lots of information by email, good review articles, modern, updated every four to six months so that you're not fishing around on the internet where there's a lot of good information, 
but it's mixed in with a lot of garbage. Some of it's old or right. some of it's inaccurate. And so you need to, again, you need to feel confident that your care provider, your doctor is there and able to field and educate you as you're interested. And they should be able to provide you lots of information so that you can make informed decisions in a manner that is matched to the right timing. Every cancer decision does not need to be made overnight without yeah. any di ability to digest it themselves and ask questions for follow-up. Like you'd make any big decision in life. You weigh the pros and cons, you understand what the urgency is, and you try to come up with a way that makes sense to you so that you're comfortable. So obviously, as Chad's been talking about, take the time to try to get as much information as you can. Obviously, in some cases, it's going to feel like information overload, but try to absorb as much as you can. Don't feel rushed if you can avoid it. I mean, obviously, some situations may have some measure of urgency depending on where the cancer is in its progression when it's discovered. But, but by and large, as Chad was talking about, you typically have some measure of time. And take advantage of the opportunity to visit with more than one provider, one specialist that you would need to see as a member of the team caring for you. In my opinion, it, it would be useful to, for those second opinions, not necessarily stay in the same environment, same ecosystem, if you will, so that you're, you're truly getting an independent second and third opinion about your situation so that's free of any preferences that may live in that little ecosystem. Would you say that's a good way to go? Yeah. With the landscape of healthcare uh, changing dramatically over the last many years and in modern times and in today's world as well, you do have to be aware of biases built into systems. I still strongly believe that patients come to see doctors. Patients don't come just to go to a machine or just to a right. facility. And a patient should still expect from their doctor, not from administrators or people in between them and their doctor always, that they are there for them. I mean, and, and if they don't feel that, then uh, then maybe it's not the best fit. You know, the only doctor, a doctor that you really don't want to go to is one that you ask for, well, would it be okay if I got a second opinion? And they said no. <laughs> yeah, that's you know yeah, it most should be re well received. Yeah, most of us would say yes because a second opinion should only a good second opinion should only reiterate a good first opinion. That's right. And and if you've got two different ones there, well, maybe a well, third one. Would want. Maybe you need a tiebreaker, or <laughs> yeah. or maybe there just is not a known answer, and that it probably merits further investigation to look at to what's going to be the best fit for you and your plan. Well, Chad, I really appreciate you making the time to, to come by the studio and share this great information. Talk about, uh, real quickly before we have to jump off, tell folks where they can go for information about you and your practice. Sure. So um, I have a Facebook page and a website, and basically Radiotherapy Associates of Forsyth is the title of my practice. You can Google me and you web page. You can get to my Facebook page. You can call me anytime and get access to me, even patients that I have haven't actually seen directly. I'm probably overly generous and charitable, but it's part of why I do this. I email with my patients back and forth all the time. They have my cell phone numbers. So I'm easy to find on the internet. I have a couple of offices and those informations are all on my webpage as well. Well, I look forward to having you back. We'll talk some more radiation oncology down the road here. So we'll work on having Chad come back and share some more great information with you that you can share with uh, your loved ones and people you care about, because clearly he's going to be somebody who can get you some great information as well as helping you advocate for yourself to get the best outcome possible for you. Chad, man, thanks so much. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thanks I, a ton. I look forward to having you back. We'll yeah. talk to you soon. 